0: I'm excited this morning to continue in our theme called Unbroken. Turn to your neighbor and say, Unbroken. And to kind of understand what unbroken is, you have to understand what the word broken is. And if you look up broken in the dictionary, it means be, to be fractured, damaged, no longer in one piece, or in working order, suffering emotional pain that is so strong that it changes the way you live, usually as a result of an unpleasant event. Broken. Now, does anybody know what this would be right here? This looks like a, right? It's a number two pencil, right? Now, I don't know if you remember back in the day, just a few years back when we all went to high school or junior high, Sundays, whatever school we went to. And, you know, back in the day, was this important part of class? It was important that, you know, the teachers, parents, moms, grandparents, whoever it was, they made sure that you had pencils, that they were, you know, sharpened, It's so nice because this is a pre-sharpened one. You can now buy pre-sharpened because it's just too difficult for us to sharpen pencils, right? So someone has gone above and beyond. Thank you, right? Because they're so kind to pre-sharpen our pencils, which is funny because, I mean, that was, to me that was kind of part of the fun, right? I remember a little kid getting up, having to walk in class, put the pencil in, you know, and it, wasn't it? And you make that, those old sharper, and then the smell of, of all that good stuff. But for a pencil, and, and I'm pretty sure that this pencil has no idea that it's a pencil. It's just, it is what it is, right? But for a second, let's think that it has a brain and it's enjoying that it's a pencil and he's happy to be a pencil and he's happy, happy what he is, right? Sorry, I called him a he, could be a she too, right? So it could be a he, she. Whatever whatever he or she is this morning, they are happy to be a pencil, right? But what if I did this? If I just was so nice to give this lovely pencil brain, how does he or she feel being broken? Not very well, probably. And the sad thing in our, in our world today is many of us have placed our hands in the wrong people's hands and got the same result. Many 7 billion people in our world today, 7 billion, and how many hurting, suffering, Remember, broken defined as suffering emotional pain so strong that it changes the way you live as a result of an unpleasant event. And how many then broken people, like a broken pencil in the wrong hands, how many people that we know in, in ourselves have suffered, suffered because we put our hope and trust in the wrong person. With that, we're gonna go to John chapter... 4, starting in verse 4. The title of my message today is The Power of the Outcast. Turn to everyone and say, it's The Power of the Outcast. Yes, I got two coffees. This one's warm, so they got a hot coffee, just in case you're asking or wondering. John 4, verse 4. He had to go through Samaria on the way, and eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Shishar near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired from the long walk sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was all alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She so said to Jesus, you are a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. This well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Verse 16, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband for you've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. And so this morning as we break down this story, number one, we see that the disciples and Jesus decided to travel through Samaria. This was not the perfect route. This was not the easiest. Well, it was semi-easy. In a physical sense, the route was an easy travel. But in a spiritual and emotional sense, this was the route that the Jewish people did not choose they did not prefer to go this way through samaria because there was tension there was high tension there was racial and cultural tension everywhere that jewish people would step into samaria ground so why did jesus pick this route i'm glad you asked he gets there and it's high noon and high noon this is this is this is a lovely time of day for most people they'd be hanging out in the shade for most people at high noon they would have a light meal because it's too hot, and enjoy a little nap. Perfect. Doesn't that sound beautiful? So most people, most every single person in this village, in town, and in this area, it was hot. It was the warmest part of the day. Where would they be? Where were they doing? They were hanging out in the shade. They had a light meal and even enjoying a little nap. Except for one lady, who's a Samaritan woman, says, she showed up bright at noon. Unfortunately, when she showed up right at noon, it, it had to say a few things about who she was. All Samaritan women, anybody who's gonna go draw water from the well, you did it early in the morning or you did it later in the evening when it was cool. But this lady by herself, she came in high noon. I don't know if you've ever gone out to eat with family, friends, bunch of ladies, and you notice that sometimes ladies, when when you're at going out to eat, sometimes they'll go to the restroom, they go together, right? Sometimes friends, I'm not saying they go together, but they get up and walk to the bathroom together, right? Have you ever noticed that? And in this story, this is so similar because the women, when they preferred to go get water, when they wanted to get water, what they do? They went together. They went in the, in the morning or at night together. Turn to your neighbor and say, together. So why would this lady Why would she live an isolated life? Why would this lady in this story be separated from the community and the people that she lived in? Why would anyone choose that for themselves? Why would I choose to live in a town and community where I'm isolated and I'm separated from everybody else? Why would I be that? Jesus sees her and he says, can I please have a drink? He's thirsty. Well, he's really not thirsty, but he needed to make a point. And so he's asking for some hospitality. And in this moment, there was such an awkwardness for the woman, not on Jesus' side, because he knew everything that he was doing. He knew everything that he was gonna say. He knew everything that was gonna happen from this point on, from the beginning to the end. But for the woman in this story, there was 3 billion things that were cruising through her brain you know as she's walking up as she sees there's a jewish man as he asks her for a drink she her mind is going absolutely crazy and it's a very awkward moment you know back in this day it's a very conservative practice men did not have conversation with other women other than relatives And so if there was men who would have long conversations with women other than their, you know, mom, sister, brother, wife, cousin, all those things, they were all looked down upon on those men. And so we see Jesus, the son of God, who we know, he's crazy, awesome and amazing and all those things, right? But he's alone and he's having a conversation with someone and she's wondering, what is this guy doing? And what does this guy want? Because her brain is going crazy. She goes, why are you asking me for water? If Jewish people took a cup of water from a Samaritan, it would make them unclean. If the disciples, Jesus sent the disciples into town to get food, they were getting carne asada tacos and quesadillas and some nice green salsa that was just absolutely amazing. But for them to go into the Samaritan village and get food that also would make them unclean. So here's Jesus, the Son of God, sending His disciples to go get unclean food. Because remember, Jewish people did not hang out with Samaritan people, they kind of thought themselves above, right? Not that any of us have ever done that before, because there's no one on this planet that we've ever thought, yeah, I'm probably better than that person, right? And you know, at least I'm not homeless, right? I'm sure none of us have ever said that or thought that. So we don't judge them because we're not judgy kind of people but the Jewish people, why would Jesus send His boys to get unclean food? And then why would He ask her? And she knows this, she knows, why is He asking me to get him water when this could, just giving him a cup of cold water can make him unclean. I'm a Samaritan, hello, you are a Jew. Why? And I love how Jesus responds. He says, well, if you would ask and if you would agreed, I could give you living water. And I don't know if you understand the gift of God that I have for you. And I'm sure she's thinking like, how would I know? Like I just got here and you asked me one question, but Jesus said, would you even know? Do you know what I have? And she's probably thinking, no, I don't. I have no idea what we're doing here. But He says, I have living water for you. And if you would accept this living water, it would quench every thirst that you have this would meet every need in your heart mind and soul. he didn't say all that but i'm just elaborating it would meet every need that you have in your heart mind and soul this water if you accept the living water that i'm about to offer you it would become like a spring inside of you and it would bubble up with eternal life her and her brain she's thinking living water A well isn't really technically considered living water and and living water, this this definition living water is is more thought of and looked at if if it's alive, it's fresh, it's moving constantly. You know, like right now there's water that is slowly, it was two months ago, it was coming down quickly from Idaho, but now it's slowly coming down the hill. There's little rivers all down that mountain that are coming down, they're moving. There's force, there's water, there's movement. And so Jesus, as He said, living water, He was describing, He wasn't describing the well that they were standing at, but in her mind, see, this is the only thing she still understood. She only saw life up to this point one way. She only saw things one way and it was just what was right in front of her. And so she says to Jesus, the well, it's very deep. I don't see you have a rope, a rope or a bucket. So how are you gonna give me water? And it's a symbol of how many people today were so stuck in the physical world that we live in. There are so many physical challenges that are facing in our world today. And it is easy, believe me, believe me, I am human. I am just like the rest of you all. Life happens and it's hard and it's horrible and it's horrific. And it's so easy to get stuck in this physical world that is all the horrible, negative, horrible things that are happening, bills and politics and wars. And so it is so easy, just like this woman in this moment who had a hard life, to only see things one way. There is only the physical world that I see. There's only a well that is right here. I just came for some water and you're bugging me. Right? She's thinking, I just came to fill up my bucket. I'm by myself because I'm supposed to be. I'm here alone because I'm separated from the community because I got issues. And here you are not leaving me alone. But there's only one thing that she could see and understand was this well that was right here, the source of her life, the source of the moment for her was this water. Because back then there wasn't a lot to drink. You couldn't just go to all these, I mean, how many gas stations do we need in town, right? We have so many gas stations, we can get a drink of water anywhere we want to, right? Because we're not gonna go drink it just from anywhere. But today we have so many options and beverages, but back then water was life. Water was refreshment. It fed animals, right? Just like it took care of us. It did so many things. And so for her, This water is the source of everything that she thought that she needed and she thought that she wanted. And Jesus goes on to say, no, 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 no. We don't have to look at the well anymore because what I'm about to give you, you will never ever thirst again what I'm about to give you. This is gonna lead you and this is going to translate into something so much bigger than yourself. This is gonna blow and expand your mind to understand there are so many far greater things out there. And so for Jesus, what Jesus had in this moment, the things that Jesus said in this moment, the questions, the words that he's speaking, just creating so much thirst and hunger and confusion in this young lady's mind. This morning we took uh, communion and one of the words that was in Isaiah, shalom, I didn't read it, but one of the verses in there that had the word whole defined in the Hebrew as shalom, meaning to be made whole. And so as Jesus is offering her water, he's also offering her wholeness, to be whole. And why would that matter? Why would it matter? Because for most of us, just like her up to that point, Most of us, and like her, probably think, I am whole, so I don't need to be offered anything. I am okay. I don't need anyone's help. I'm a big boy or a big girl all by myself. I don't need no man, don't need no girl, don't need nobody. I am already whole. I am just fine on my own. And Jesus offering this living water to find again the communion and shalom, the wholeness that only he can give and I love at this point because now the conversation becomes the most awkward and so it has been building because we know again Jewish men don't have long conversations with girls they don't know or they'd be looked at like they're crazy and what are they doing they don't hang around with Samaritans because they're unclean and for this person, the only person that he's talking to in this minute, because he sent the disciples away to go get unclean, dirty food. This, this conversation has been building and it's so awkward in this moment because she still didn't, doesn't really understand, what does he want? It's like, if you ever go to buy a car and you sit there and you, you argue for hours, it's like, just ask the salesperson, what do you want? What do you want me to do? She's confused. And then this question comes up and you gotta love Jesus. He goes, go get your husband. And he's probably smiling, he's got a twinkle in his eye. In her response, this is probably the first time that I think in my heart, I'm just thinking that she is plainly honest with somebody because she goes, I don't have one. And he's like, you are correct because you've had five and the person you're living with now is not your husband. And in this awkward situation, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this where something inside of you kind of exposed. I don't know if you've ever been around friends or family or even in a church setting and people start talking about their dirty laundry and it's like, that was really awkward. I don't use bleach, so it's a little stained. But sometimes we as people we thrive on dirty laundry. Sometimes as people, we thrive on other people's dirty laundry. And so we've become accustomed to saying, you know what, I'm gonna keep my dirty laundry to myself. This lady in this story, she didn't know what he wanted. She didn't know if he was gonna ask her on a date, if they're gonna go out to the movies after this. She had no idea what he was asking and what he was looking for. There was nothing in her heart, mind, and so she just didn't get it because there's so many things that are wandering around her brain. But the minute she says, I don't have one, and then Jesus brings out a few things that you know we don't need to repeat again. There's something that happened in one instance, in one second here, that her confession that she didn't have a husband and she didn't admit that, hey, I've been... I've been a bad little girl, or whatever, whatever. We don't know the circumstances. We don't know if a few of them had died. We have no idea what has happened to this lady in this story. She had had probably a hard, long life. But in one second, when she says this to God, and this is where sometimes we, be, we learn to be careful, like our pencil, when we give some of the things that are so near and dear to our heart to the wrong person, words and things and situations that happen to us, they they toss us around like a broken pencil and they don't get better. But every single time that we take our broken situations, like the lady in this story, and we put them into the hands of God, we become unbroken every single time. Every single time that we take anything in life that has caused hurt, pain, suffering, hard things. We put them in the right hands, we become healed and we become whole and we become unbroken. You know, there is a constant fight in life and I don't know if you can see that and sense that, but there's light constantly fighting darkness. There's truth constantly at war with lies. God versus the devil, right? Good versus evil. Constantly, we could see this on Sunday mornings. There are so many three billion things that happen on a Sunday morning when people are attempting to go to church and hear the truth of God's word. So many things that try to stop people from coming. You know, this week it's one of those cool things. Something happened where you know, every sometimes could be a year, every couple of years, Kim and I <clears throat> we taught youth for 17 years, and and so. You know, slowly but surely, because when you're teaching kids, how many of us know they can be ungrateful little brats sometimes, right? I mean, wonderful, sweet angels. But you sometimes you invest and you pour into people's life and, and then you don't hear anything, you know? And so this week there was a kid who reached out and we don't have Facebook or Instagram, but she reached out to our son and said, hey, is this your parents? I just want, you know, can you tell them how wonderful, awesome and amazing, and I so appreciate all that they did for me. And Kim and I, we're good people, right? I mean, I think we're good people, right? I don't know what you would say, but I think we're good people. That wouldn't have happened unless we were youth pastors at a church. That wouldn't have not happened if we didn't teach youth 17 years at two different churches in town here. There is something at church that happens and it doesn't happen anywhere else. And the fruit and the reward, you may not hear about it for years to come, but it will happen it will happen and so there's this fight and battle to not go to church to not hear the truth to not hear God's word the devil in the beginning was the very first thing that he did with Adam and Eve he just wanted to twist the truth of God to get them to make a mistake and he is still doing the exact same thing today. There is this battle until we get to the end. Until we get to the end. And you know what I love about the word of God? If you in here, I don't know, you know, it's not that I'm a like super fan of Hollywood, okay? But I do like some good movies sometimes, right? But there's so many evil movies out there that have good against evil, right? There's light against darkness. There's the end of the world and there's bombings and there's this and that because inside of every person and even in Hollywood, they know something's gonna change. There's gonna be something that happens and then the end. And so until we get to that point, there is this constant fight, light versus darkness, truth versus lies, God, versus the devil, good versus evil, all is going to happen. Could it get tiring at times? Sure. It could get tiring. Right? Constantly battling and fighting. It could get tiring. But you know how and why people get really tired because of the battle? It's because they don't they forget. Hold on a second. and the ladies' theme yesterday was fill their cup. Sometimes people forget that if I don't continue to fill myself with good things, and I wanted to poke a hole in it, but I didn't wanna ruin, you know, the wood or the carpet. If I'm not continually filling my cup with what? The living water that bubbles, and it, Jesus said it springs up to eternal life, we're all gonna get wore out if we're not continually filling ourselves and that means that sometimes we have to as grown-ups which all of us are we have to be disciplined in filling our cup with the right thing and spending so much time believe me today life is busy life is crazy it's busy it's all of those things it's happening at 99 100 miles an hour but really, I don't know if enough of us are filling ourselves with the living water. And if we're not, then we, chances are we're probably a little burnt out and we're out. Because this fight, we sense the fight. We sense light against evil and darkness and all those things. And honestly, I think for every heart and mind and soul, the closer you get to truth, the louder evil gets. And I want you to to picture for a minute. For every person on this planet, the Bible says that we're born broken. We're born, the Bible says sinners. Paul said that we're born sinners. We're born broken because of good old Adam and Eve, Grant, Auntie and Pappy back in the day, right? They just did something wrong and now we're all paying the price. But anyway, good to see you, Bentley, by the way. The closer we get to truth, the greater the battle becomes. And so I can't tell you how many times, you know, as a kid, and my dad walked out here so I can say this, because I say it all the time, but he forced me to go to church, that dirty man, horrible. But I can tell you when I fought the hardest and I went to church, man, I had a good time. There was something that happened that day. There was some moment And so when you come in on a Sunday morning, I guarantee you the devil, if you're gonna hear a truth that is gonna set you free, well, he's gonna fight you like crazy. The giants, the werewolves, everyone, the chupacabra. I mean, everybody's gonna come out of everywhere to attack you, to slow you down. Because when a truth and the greatest truth, like taking communion, the bread, the wine, Accepting Jesus into our life, being born again, that is the greatest truth. But to taste heaven on earth and to grow in all the things that God has for us, there are so many other truths that bring freedom. Because how many of us have seen, because life had been hard at times, how many of us have pain and hurt that we still deal with on a daily basis? How many of us have scars? How many of us have scars of things that we've gone through? And so the closer we get to truth, the intensity of evil rises. And then we're gonna close this morning with the rest of this story. John four twenty seven. Jesus Jesus's, then his disciples came to him and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what are you doing? What do you, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? Verse 28, the woman left her water jar beside the well because she didn't need the water anymore, that source, remember, that she ran there for. And she ran back to the village telling everyone, and this is extremely important, come and see a man who told me anything, everything that I ever did. The words that she hid from for years, the scars and the pain that caused her to be isolated and separated, the things and all the mistakes that she made in her life that caused people to just stay away from her and her to stay away from them as well. All the things that she did and she used to lie to cover up all the things that the mistakes that she made. She is now proud of this moment. She ditched the water, the very thing that she went down for. And now she is saying, look at my scars. You have to meet this man. He told me any and everything that I ever done. She's not afraid to talk to just everybody now. She's not afraid to run and be around these people who used to beat her up and beat her down. She's not afraid of the moment to speak up and to use her voice because something happened inside of her. One question from Jesus Christ, one thing that he said changed her from the inside out completely. And now she was bold and now she was tough. And you know what? Now she didn't care what other people thought. For this lady in the story, she found freedom, the greatest feeling of all, to be free of anything and everything that she had gone through. Come see this guy who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village and the people, what's amazing to me in this story, even the people in this story listened to her and followed her, somebody they rejected for years. Somebody they would never, never, ever take the time. Everyone, this whole town. We don't know if there's 25. We don't know if it was like Hemet and there's, you know, 25,000, 200,000. We don't know how big this village was. Maybe there was only 10. Maybe there's only three families, right? We have no idea. But it sounds like there's more than just a handful. And every single person in the village, they listened. For the first time, they listened to this girl. For the very first time, they listened and they actually wanted to see what she was talking about. Let's go see, let's go check this out. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. And Jesus replied, I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. Did someone bring in food while we weren't gone? What the heck? The Disciples asked each other and Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. In verse 36, the harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants, another harvest. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant others had already done the work and now you will get to gather the harvest my last few verses verse 39 many samaritans from the village believed in jesus because the woman had said he told me everything i did now and also i have to point out interestingly enough it's not that she went into to like bring out her whole suitcase and luggage right The only thing that's stated is she said, he told me everything I did. There are times you don't need to go into details of what God's done for you. You don't need to open up the whole kit and caboodle, right? But when there's a a conviction so strong inside of you to say, this is what God has done for me, you'll get the attention of other people and you don't have to bring out the whole kit and caboodle. When they came out to see him, they begged Jesus to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear the message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, because we've heard for ourselves. And now we know that He is indeed the Savior of the world. And so our story this morning wraps up with our title, which is called The Power of the Outcasts. And there was a person in this story who lived a very dark, dreary, depressed, sad, lonely life, separated, isolated, broken from so many hard emotional experiences, considered to be an outcast. But it was an outcast in the story in the text that helped save a whole town. Your story sometimes, my story, sometimes we take it a little too lightly. No matter if we've grown up in the church or no matter if we just breeze through here and there, What God has for us, the gift that he offers every single day, this gift of living water, the gift that bubbles up like he described to eternity is so powerful a story. It's so powerful in this story because in this story, I know that for many of us here and myself included, there are things and situations that we've done and that what we've said and what we've been a part that could consider us maybe like an outcast at times. And it's the very thing inside of us that God's saying, you're right, and I picked you because I love you. I picked you because you're awesome and amazing. I picked you no matter what you've done, but I picked you because what you're gonna do, what you're gonna be a part of. As the disciples came to Jesus and they said, hey, here's the carne asada tacos we got for you. And He said, no, 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 I'm good. And they're getting a little upset who gave him food? Did he have a candy bar, his Snickers on him that we didn't know about? He sent us to get lunch and here he is not hungry. And he says to him, my nourishment, my nourishment, man, it comes from doing God's will. And again, I know that many of us sometimes with empty cups, with this constant battle, and it's hard to stay in that fight, in the fresh, in the front lines. But if we continue to let the living water continue to fill our cup, We're gonna be ready to face whatever it is that comes our way every single day. And our nourishment, it's not from eating three meals a day and two snacks in between. Our nourishment's not from having good coffee, though I think myself a good barista in the morning because I make it every morning, I like to. That's not not what, even though my body likes coffee, that's not what I can live on. My nourishment, the greatest nourishment, the greatest nourishment ever the most peace and wholeness it is only found in Jesus Christ alone and when we take our broken situations and we take our broken past and we put it into the hands of God Almighty what happens we become unbroken let's pray